All right, we are looking at uh, Born Blind is the series. This is week two that we're in. And uh, if you are looking for it, you can find it both on uh, the YouVersion app. The verses, we'll, we'll have them up here in just a moment, but I'm encouraging you to take notes. If you have the YouVersion app, just punch uh, the little markers over on the far side bottom and it will give you some choices and uh, you can choose events and it will show you the grace place and it's all laid out for you there so you can take notes and uh, follow along with us. We believe that as you're taking notes, as we're in this series, especially this season of growth and development, you're going to remember and retain so much more of what God wants to teach you. And we are touching on some very important things. John chapter nine, and this uh, particular message is taking a large section out of John chapter nine, verse 13 through 34. So I want to read uh, and have you follow along with me. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Stand together and we will look at God's word beginning uh, at verse 13. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been kicked out of a choir or uh, a, a basketball, a baseball team or a church, you know, but here's a guy that got uh, kicked out of his race. Um, and uh, just for having a miracle happen in his life, he got kicked out of the whole religion and everything um, because uh, this miraculous thing took place. We examined a little bit last week and looked at theological blindness, and uh, this, this one might subtitle uh, rational blindness. And so let's, let's take a look and see what's going on here. They, they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees, and now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also asked, this is the religious group, the Pharisees asked him again. He had received his sight and he said to them, well, he put clay on my eyes. He's already told them this a few times, you can tell, because they ask again. He put clay on my eyes, I washed them and I see. And therefore, uh, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Their problem was, you know, that he had done it on the Sabbath and not, the, not that it was a miracle. Others said, how can this man who is a sinner do such signs, speaking of Jesus? And there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he, he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Uh, but the Jews did not believe him concerning him and that he had uh, been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he see? Now his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was blind, but we, by, by what means he now sees, we do not know, or opened his eyes, we, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, and he will speak for himself. And his parents said these, uh, these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he is Christ, he would be, or the Messiah, that he would, he would be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They're just trying to stay out of trouble, right? And so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. 
And he answered and he said, and this is the simplicity of our testimony, isn't it? Whether is he a sinner or not, I, I do not know. One thing I know, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Now he's already told this story numerous times, right? And he answered them, I told you already. He's frustrated at this point, right? And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? Ooh, that's going to get him in trouble. Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. And the man answered and said to him, Why this, he said, Why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, and yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone uh, opened the eyes of the one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him and said, you were completely born in sin. You are teaching us. And they cast him out, kicked him out of his religion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We're asking that you would open our eyes and our understanding that we can receive it into good ground. and It'll make a difference in growing and developing us and transforming us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. You're seated. Here's a man who was formerly blind. He was formerly a beggar, formerly helpless, formerly hopeless. Now he can earn a legitimate living. Now he is free to compare normal tasks apart from, uh, you know, to, to, to be able to perform his daily day tasks and the things that you need to do in order to make your life easier. And, and sight is coming uh, you know, it, it's, it has come to him and he's, he's now can see clearly and he can see everything that's going on. And I would note, first of all, for, for us that we all take sight for granted. And this was something that when blind eyes are open, when people can see who haven't seen before, it's amazing. And, and it, it, it opens up the world for them in ways that we cannot possibly understand, those of us who are sighted and take it for granted. Just the simple day-to-day -day task, the, the beauty of looking into the face of your loved one, the colors of the world, all the things that, that begin to, to take on new understanding and dimension and meaning. Uh, I, I used to say when I wore, wore glasses my whole life, you know, and if I uh, had misplaced them for some reason and somebody was talking to me, I said, I can't hear you, I need to go get my glasses. It even makes hearing better, doesn't it, when we can see people and we can see their expressions and their hand motions. It brings a new dimension to conversation that we, get, we have never understood before. Jesus gives this guy perfect vision and so the man born blind is now able to see and he's being brought before the Pharisees and the religious group. Uh, and, he's, and he's being judged by them. He's being judged by the religious group. He's being judged by this, this group of people who are, are, have pushed miraculous out of their mind. And why have they done that? We live better when we live comfortable and reasonable, sensible lives. And we, we, are, we, are, we are people of habits, creatures of habits, who love to have things reasonable, simple, understandable.
We don't live as well when, when things don't seem to make sense. And we struggle to try to make them make sense, to bring logic and, and reason and sensibility to circumstances that just seem to be uh, un, you know, in ways that we don't really understand. And this was what was going on. The Pharisees had a personal and religious roadmap that, that uh, they, had, they had put together. And when this man shows up who was formerly blind and he's been healed on the Sabbath, it did not fit into this sensible, normal, religious roadmap that they had put together. And so the first thing they want to do is push it away and reject it. It says, then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes. I washed them and I see. Living reasonably and sensibly without living spiritually puts us at risk that the secondary can become the primary. The secondary can become primary in our lives. I don't know if we have this slide up. Or if it's even functioning this morning. There we go. The secondary becoming the primary in our lives. What do I mean by that? This, we, 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 we think about, for just a moment, how you respond to something that, you, that is miraculous that, that happens for someone else. And, and the first thing that you're, you're going to do is just rejoice with them, right? I mean, it's like, Something has happened that, that, that was not that way before, and it's good for them. And the first thing you're going to want to do is not hold an inquisition, not go get lawyers and find out what happened, right? The first thing you're going to want to do is just jump up and down and celebrate with them, right? This is great. This is great. You were blind, and now you see. I mean, this is awful. And then, and then it's like, oh, how in the world did that happen? But the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to rejoice, right? You're not going to go look for, um, you know, religious theologians to try to explain this thing. You know, this guy claims he couldn't see before. And so we have brought him here to the hierarchy of religion. And we would like you to tell him why he was never blind in the first place. <laughs> he just had his eyes closed. He was walking around with his eyes closed and now he's opened them. And that's all good, right? They wanted an explanation because it didn't fit into sensible, it didn't fit into the rational, it didn't fit into the reasonable because they were not engaged in the spiritual side of things that were going on there as well. Only to the letter, only following things with their hearts to the letter and trying to, to please God and earn their way into faith. And as a result of that, something like this just took them completely um, you know, off guard and they didn't know how to handle it. And so, you know, first thing that you and I do is we celebrate with those who've received sight. But here's the first thing they did. How did you receive sight? And we know that the question was, was not just, you know, a, a curiosity question, because as we examine the story, we see that it is, it is an investigation question, right? It's a, it's a story of investigation. You know, so before you killed your wife, how many other people did you kill? <laughs> it's 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 a question leading to this leading you to guilty and to an investigation and here they're so they're like so they're not just asking for curiosity how did you receive your sight right 
And, and we know that because, first of all, we see the, the uncommonness. The question that they're asking here shows us the uncommonness of this miracle that had taken place. But it also shows us the heart of the Pharisees. We see it in the story. The story as the story unfolds, they ask the question, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? How can somebody who's a sinner do this kind of thing? They're trying to get to the point, which is, you, you are lying about this situation. This didn't really happen. And then the next thing that they ask the parents when they're, invest, when they're carrying out their investigation, is this your son? <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, you know, we mistook him. Uh, he looked a lot like our son, but now that we're here in the light and the sun and stuff like that, this is not our son. He's a doppelganger. This is not him, right? I mean, it's this crazy question. Is this your son? And these people who are rejoicing with him, who are excited about him being healed, they ask him, is this your son? Uh, who you say, another accusation, who you say was, was born blind, how then does he now see? His physical eyes were open, but the eyes of his heart are open as we begin to see the story unfold as well. So they again called the man who was blind and they said to him, give God glory. We know that this man is a sinner. This is where we see the spiritual eye opening for him. He answers and he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, and that is I was blind, but now I see. Yeah. The simplicity of your and my testimony to bring people to know Christ, that's really all the theology we need to start, right? That, that's the essence of what we need to know is just what happened to us when we engaged with our relationship with Jesus Christ. More, there's so much more for us to learn, and he encourages us grow and learn and develop. But the simplicity of your story about what God has done in your life is transformational for other people to hear. And we need to be free and, and willing to share that story in every environment that we engage in. The sight that Jesus gives brings about worldview clarity. We're not only just seeing colors in the world and seeing you know, faces and hearing conversations better and being able to do daily tasks and engage in something that would help us make a living, but we are also getting clarity on worldview when we embrace Jesus and we invite him in. He opens the, in, the eyes of our heart. <coughs> Excuse me, an almost sneeze and then a sneeze. We are inviting Jesus in to open the eyes of our understanding, to get world clarity, worldview. We're surrounded in, by, by uh, people who are trying to help us understand what the world is all about. They're eager to tell us what this means and what that means. And the clarity comes when we invite Jesus in and he opens our eyes and we can see things as they are. There's another story I love about the healing of a blind man and Jesus touches his eyes and uh, he uh, says, how do you see? He asks a strange question after he touches his eyes. He, he, you know, how do you see men? You know, it's the first thing Jesus asks him. He's looking around and things are still a little blurry. And he says, I see men as trees walking. In other words, he was seeing people as objects. And Jesus says, I'm not done with you. I want all, I want you to be open spiritually as well as, as physically your eyes are open. 
and he lays his hands on him again and touches him. He says, now how do you see men? And he says, I see all things. He didn't say men. He said, I see all things clearly now. I see all things clearly now. When God opens blinded eyes, we see all things clearly. It says, then they invited him and he said, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples, putting a separation between us. We're in a divided nation right now where people are always eager to kind of classify you. And none of you, believe me, fit the classifications, right? I don't care if you're wearing a label, uh, even of a political party, you do not fit the classification that somebody else has for what that means, right? But they're going to tell you you do. And they're going to classify you that way so that it's, it becomes an us and them thing, right? You are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know what God spoke to Moses. They've never seen Moses. They're seeing Jesus, right? They were not eyewitnesses to Moses climbing up the mountain. They're, they're hearing this generations down and reading uh, the, the record of what happened. But they hadn't seen him. They're seeing Jesus. And they're seeing the miraculous take place in front of their eyes. As for this fellow, speaking of Jesus, we do not know where he is from. That us and them mantra is constantly going on. And the enemy is trying to play that out. The comparison idea, you're not like them, or you're not like them, and, and trying to separate us and put division among uh, the, the people from, from God's church and the greater world, but also in the church family, to divide us one from another. You don't understand. You're not like them. You're different. You think differently. You should believe differently. You like this, and they don't like that. Well, they're a little too strict, or they, they're, they're not strict enough, or whatever it might be. And there's little divisions that he's trying to push between us all the time. You're either with us or you're against us for people that are trying to divide. Look, you're either in our group or you're not in the group at all. You are somewhere else outside of us. And, and excuse me to all of our teachers here, English teachers, it is us is right <laughs> and them is wrong, right? And, and we see, even when we start gauging normal, aren't we gauging normal by us? And we're, we're looking at us and we're saying, you know, they're not normal. And God's looking down at us and we're all twisted up. You know, <laughs> he's like, you're not normal. <laughs> Let me fix you. And then when I finish with you and, and you get that log out of your eye, you can go get the splinter out of your neighbor's eye and help him out. But you better not judge normal by you, right? I need to open your eyes so you can clearly see. And as committed disciples of Jesus Christ, we, we are not right because of our arguments. We are right because of our position. We are not right because of our arguments. What is our position? In Christ. Yes. In Christ. We are not right because of our arguments. We are right because of our position. I'm in Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm walking in relationship with Him. I'm learning day by day how better to handle this and how better to walk. Some of the things that I thought were, were you know, the... the the truth and the way I should be living when I first started out in this journey uh, were, were really stumbling blocks from my life. And I'm starting to get clarity as God is opening my eyes uh, inside as well as outside. And I'm seeing all people differently. I see 
uh, all the races of humankind differently, prejudices that I was uh, brought up with, things that were in my heart and life that God is dealing with. And now I'm a different person. I've grown in Him. I'm becoming more mature in Him. I'm becoming more valuable to the kingdom. And so it isn't my arguments. You wouldn't have wanted to listen to me you know, 20 years ago. Uh, but it is my position in Jesus Christ. It is Paul saying, you, can, you should follow me, but follow me as I follow Christ. That's how you want to follow me, is, is as I'm following Him. Because if you start just following me, and I get off on some you know, wild trail someday, we're both going to be lost. And we're going to fall into the ditch as blind men. But you need to follow me as you see me following Jesus Christ. Christ in Christ verse 30 there says the man answered and said to them why this is marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from and yet he has opened my eyes and now we know that God does not hear sinners but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will he hears him since the world began it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The formerly blind man encourages the questioners to do deductive reasoning, right? It's like, you know, you're trying to put the separation, you're Moses' guys, and these, these are new wave disciple guys, and, uh, you know, they, they are really veering off the course where we should all be. But let me just invite you to do deductive reasoning. And, and I would like to, to, for you to think through this process. Like, God doesn't hear from, you know, from sinners except when they're asking him to be God in their life. That's the only prayer he can hear. And so I've been pitching this prayer up. God, I, I want you to heal me. I want you to touch my life. I made my way into this uh, place where Jesus was to hoping he's the Messiah. He has opened my eyes. He's done something that's been unheard of in the world, right? It was said back through the Old Testament that this is the kind of pattern that was going to follow the Messiah. So I'd like you to kind of just... While you're doing the investigation, why don't you go back and just investigate history and bring this thing forward? And this is Messiah that's standing here with us. And yet, when you're steeped in your opinions and values and views, it becomes so hard to separate yourself from those because there's, there, there's no anchor then. There's no firm foundation for you. You start sinking. Yeah. That's why God wants to open the eyes of our understanding and give us worldview as much as he wants to give us the, the view and clarity of to, see, to see one another. It was um, Ruth Haley Barton that said, only one who have faced their own dark side can be trusted to lead others towards light. Only one who has faced their own dark side can be trusted to lead others to dark. Problematic among those who are going to live without living spiritually, but live in religion. And they're going to, to, to dedicate their lives to walking in a fashion of religion. This is right and that is wrong. And, and, and forcing their way down the pathway 
living religiously without living spiritually. And this is, this is the danger. This is the danger. That their eyes are not opened and they're not going to really be able to lead anyone to light. They're only going to be able to lead people to darkness. And Jesus came that you and I might be able to lead people to light. To, to eternal life with Jesus Christ, to a life that is fulfilling, to a life that is uh, purposeful, to a life that he's intended and wanted us to live. If you lead blind people to the light um, and they're just blind, there's no, there's no value in it. But when we allow Jesus and invite Jesus into the circumstance and he heals blinded eyes, we can lead them to the light and they see the light. Their lives are changed. We have to stop telling people what we have learned about religion and start telling them why they need Jesus Christ in their lives. I, I, I love theology. I love the Bible. I studied, finished my master's degree very recently in, in practical theology. I love it, man. I've read after, had the privilege. I was telling someone the other day, my, oh, the, they were uh, measuring my eyes. Give me new glasses here. And uh, she's like, are you, I, I don't see greatly uh, as I get older. I'm not seeing as well as, I, as they would like me to. And there was a real change in my vision this last time, and so they're having to, to steep things up. So it's, my eyes aren't really that big, what you're seeing out there. It's a, they're only this big. Coke bottles on, right? So she's asking me, can you read? And I said, in the last, in the last two years, I read 36 books. <laughs> it's, I hated, <laughs> you know, uh, you, you, I hated moments of it, you know, because it was, it was required reading and things that, that you're doing. But, you know, I, I do love it. I love it. It's a, it's a passion for me. But, but I'm recognizing that I, I need, the more important thing for me to communicate is why people need Jesus in their lives. Now, if they, if they want uh, explanation to kind of move them from being a, a doubter into the, the believer club, there's things that I can, it can bring into the equation we can talk about and, uh, you know, uh, share. But the, the why that they really need Jesus is, is my testimony, why I needed him. It's your testimony. It's why you needed him. And the fact that he opened blinded eyes, that, that I was born blind and then he opened my eyes and it's made all the difference. It's made the difference in how I communicate with people, how I treat them, how I love people, uh, how I live my life, the decisions I make about my uh, plans and future and all that kind of, it's, it's made all the difference in the world to invite Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Are you willing to risk rejection to cure the infection of sin? Are we willing to, to invite people to come to know Jesus? We'll never regret sharing Jesus, but we can find moments that we regret having not shared Jesus. I was reminded of, a, of, of in thinking about that, the story of a, of a great evangelist, a great preacher out of Chicago, uh, a young pastor at this point, Pastor uh, Moody, D.L. Moody was closing out a service, a Sunday morning service, much like we are right now. And it had been an intense time, and they felt the presence of God there. And he, he invited the people. He said, I want you to start thinking about where you are with Jesus. Where is your life with Jesus? And he told them, he said, next week we're coming back here. Next Sunday we're all going to come back here. 
And after you've thought about this for a whole week, then we're going to open these altars and give you an, an opportunity to make Jesus the real Lord and the leader of your life. Because I think, he said, I think by looking at the way things are going in, in our church and in our surrounding community, that not all of us are completely on board. So I want you to think hard this week about where you are with Jesus. Have you made a 100% commitment? And he prayed over them and he dismissed them. And it was that night at 9.30 that the great Chicago fire started and burned through that city. And many of the parishioners of that church perished in that fire or suffered loss. And it was a different Sunday when they came back the next Sunday. And he said uh, he had great ministry. God gave D.L. Moody an awesome ministry uh, with, with so many accolades and, and, and so many great things that were able to that happen through his ministry. But he said, that's my greatest regret is that I had a Sunday that I sent people home to think and not to make a decision. And he said, I'll never do that again. And I don't want to ever do that. I want to invite our worship team uh, to come. But I want to invite you to stand with me. And I never want to, us to go away without an opportunity to make a decision for Jesus Christ and to make him Lord and leader over our lives. Jesus is still in the business of opening eyes that have been born blind. Though you are sighted in a sense physically and, and you can see, some of us are seeing better than others of us in the congregation. I'm seeing great with my new Coke bottles. Believe me, I'm really seeing good. Um, but we need to be able to see from our heart. And God is the one that opens our, our blinded eyes and gives us better worldview. So I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. And if you wouldn't mind repeating this prayer with me, and I'm not asking you to repeat it if you just want to just say it lyrically so you're not left out, but I'm asking you to say this if you really want to put Jesus first in your life and make him the Lord and the leader of your life and get clarity, get vision that God only alone can give us. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I'm blind and in need of sight. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe that you died for me. And I believe on the third day you rose again. And that you are Lord of all. I want to make you Lord and leader in my heart. Receive me. Forgive me and make me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just pray as, as they lead us in worship?